Children's Church, you can be dismissed at this time. Take your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians, you can just go to chapter 1 at this point, and uh, we'll kind of be throughout that book. Yes, as was mentioned, a great week at Junior Trek Camp. Um, yes, if you've heard the rumor, it is true. Um, Elijah Pridgen put me into the wall, and he was quite proud of that. It was a nice move. i got to be honest, I tried to take him out about three times, and he overcame, and then he put me into the wall. Now, I'm not bitter about it because I got back at him. I'm just that kind of guy, and, uh, you know, so uh, I was able to, to take him out. And what goes around comes around because in the championship race, I saw victory. I was coming on the last lap, and it was all mine. I had one more guy to overcome, and I had him in my sights, and I went high to get him to block, and then I went low, and I was going to take out his corner, and there all of a sudden was Andrew Pivovarsky and Adam in a double cart, and they spun me around like I was Mario. <laughs> and the race was done, and there's your champion. So congratulations, guys, on that nice victory. I look forward to next year. So, <laughs> it was a good week though, guys. Our theme all week, put a little love in your heart. And uh, we were able to love on these kids. Uh, Nate did a fabulous job getting everything together. Uh, daily time in the Word, in the mornings, uh, family time. And at night, we would uh, get back together and discuss some of the things. And it's just a great time. I appreciate all the leaders that went, all the kids that went. And uh, just a, a fabulous job. Uh, guys, you're blessed to have a pastor, youth pastor, and his wife who pour into young people, invest in the lives of our young people. Um, rest assured, these kids probably will not recall a message that was taught in all of their childhood at this church. But they will never forget that trip. And so that's the messages being lived out together. And that's huge. It's impacting. And uh, I'm, for one, I'm humble and grateful to be able to, to tag along, though uh, after this trip, I don't know if Nate will invite me next year. But anyway, <laughs> uh, it's a great time. Pray for them. They got uh, the teens, and it's a, it's a lot further than Gatlinburg. Uh, they're headed up to New York. And so please bathe that in prayer. Pray for the souls of these kids as they will be sitting under the Word of God uh, for a week. And uh, uh, it's great, great ministry, great opportunity. You know, we've been talking about uh, the nine marks of a healthy church. We began our intro a couple of weeks back prior to Father's Day, and we want to continue that, the nine marks of a healthy church. I didn't get to conclude the message, so we're going to try and conclude that this week. And looking at the calendar, that means I have no room for error. We've got to hit one mark every Sunday in order for us to get to back to school year in September and uh, start up a new series. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but that's the plan. Uh, we talked about last time on the nine marks of a healthy church. The first point that we, um, we talked about was looking at where we're going to be going in this study. Uh, mark one is expositional preaching, and Lord willing, that's what we'll hit next week. Uh, we talk, we're going to be talking about biblical theology. You know, why is that important, guys? I mean, you know, why not just some good sermonette story? Why not just a feel good, you know? And uh, isn't that what we want? Don't, don't, don't we just want to, uh, you know, drop our microphone and leave? <laughs> Bam! I'm done. Uh, not that easy. 
Um, biblical theology, why is that important? I can tell you this, in a day in which we live, especially in American Christianity, there is a great need for us to understand biblical theology. The gospel, that'll be our third mark of a healthy church. Uh, a biblical understanding of conversion, and uh, we'll, again, we'll look at that, unpack that. A biblical understanding of evangelism. Uh, there's a lot of methods being used that uh, maybe aren't the most effective. Uh, we'll look at what the Bible has to say in the way of evangelism. A biblical understanding of church membership. Those of you who have just completed the new members class, you understand this one. And uh, so that'll be a, a, a good review for you uh, as well. Biblical church discipline. We'll spend a Sunday talking about that. Why church discipline? Uh, why do we have to do that? Uh, a concern for discipleship and growth. God bless you. And uh, we'll talk about discipleship and growth. That's that's our commission, man. We have been commissioned to, to go and make disciples. And that's a mark of a healthy church. And then we'll look at uh, biblical church leadership in closing it out. How does the Bible describe church leadership? So that's where we're headed. We talked last week about the importance of a church, or two weeks ago, about the church being holy. As a part of being representatives of Christ, ambassadors for Christ, part of our responsibility. Guys, we are holy. We are called out of the world. We are separated from the world, placed into the body of Christ. And one of the things that should mark us as followers of Christ is holiness. Now, when I say that word, and this was one of your questions in the care group, you know, what comes to mind when you think uh, holy, being holy? And too often times we have this, this idea that's not necessarily what we're called to. This idea of perfection. Guys, we're not perfect. That's why we need a Savior. Self-righteous is not holiness. But separation from some things, separated from some things, unto some things, is very important. Forsaking what we used to follow and pursuing things that we should pursue... That is the description of holiness. Being separated from, separated unto. And we talked about that. The importance of holiness being a mark of the church. But I want to spend the time this morning on our second point, uh, on being united. As a church, I cannot express the vitality, the importance of the body of Christ being united, especially within the walls of a local assembly. Now, we have differences with the churches down the street. That's why we're not meeting with them together, us meeting together with them this morning, because there are some differences, and that is okay, as we've described within the body of Christ. But we can still be part of the body serving out our function. But within the walls of the local church, even with our differences, even with our different giftedness, we must be united. Just as the hand is the hand, the thumb is different from the pinky. But each serves an important part within the body. Unity. is often forsaken and it leads to division. It's 
One of Satan's greatest tactics is divide and conquer. His desire is to cause schism. And he's done a great job in the homes across America. He's doing a great job right now in the political arena. Within media. You can flip from one channel to another informational channel and get completely two separate accounts. Schism. Division. And the sad reality is there's a lot of that that finds its way into the church. Community Baptists, we must guard against schism. And we can do so with differences, yet being united. So let's take a look at what uh, this subject united in regards to us as a church. What the church is supposed to be like. Uh, and we'll also look at why the church is supposed to be like that. But speaking of this subject of unity, you know, somebody once said that there can be union, follow me, there can be union without unity. Tie two cats together by their tails and throw them over a clothesline. <laughs> You'll have, they'll be united without unity. There will be union without unity. I don't recommend that, kids. Uh, just, just saying. Um, I got some cat stories I could tell you, but that's another day. All right. <clears throat> Confession hour. Uh, Tonto and the Lone Ranger were riding through a canyon together when all of a sudden both sides were filled with Native American warriors on horses dressed for battle. The Lone Ranger turned to Tonto and asked, what are we going to do? Tonto replied, what do you mean, we, white man? You know, sometimes people get themselves in a mess and all of a sudden they're willing to throw you under the bus. And it's sad to say because I've seen oftentimes within the body of Christ this very thing. Loyalty to flesh and blood over the spiritual family. Guys, did you know that when it comes to biblical truth, it doesn't matter who stands in opposition to that. You're not to stand with them. We have a tighter bond within the body of Christ than we do with flesh and blood. Now, don't get me wrong, I love my family members, but when my family members are contradicting Scripture, I have a responsibility to stand with the family of God against my flesh and blood. <clears throat> Truth unites. And so we must be united around biblical truth. Apart from that, what is there? Charles Spurgeon said it this way, to remain divided is sinful. Did not our Lord pray that they may be one even as we are one? John 17, 22. A chorus of ecumenical voices keep harping the unity tune. 
What they're saying is Christians of all doctrinal shades and beliefs must come together in one visible organization regardless. Unite. Unite. Such teaching is false. Reckless. Dangerous. Truth alone must determine our alignments. Truth comes before unity. Unity without truth is hazardous. Our Lord's Prayer in John 17 must be read in its full context. Look at verse 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Only those sanctified through the word can be one in Christ. To teach otherwise is to betray the gospel. Charles Spurgeon, The Essence of Separation. Uh, quoted in the Berean Call, July 1992, page 4. Guys, we have a responsibility, Community Baptist Church, to unite. We stand together as one representation of Christ within this local assembly. But let me say, uh, there are many times that as your pastor, I must say no to other churches who want us to unite with them because of doctrinal differences. And this quote is a good reason why. The scriptures that we just talked about is a good reason why. I'm not saying these other people aren't brothers and sisters in Christ, but we have a responsibility to guard the unity within this local body. And Satan will use great things and good things to bring in division and schisms. And for him to know to do right and doesn't do it, to him that's sin. So, so I'm not going to go be a part of a service somewhere if I know that what they're holding to, what they're teaching is contradictory to who we are and what we believe is true. And, and to ask me to do that would be a compromise and that would be sinful and I'm not going to do that. So please understand, sometimes when we don't participate with certain activities with other churches throughout the community, this is sometimes the reason why. And there are times we can, and there are times when we will, and there are things that we do where we come together. But my responsibility is to you. It's not to them and their sheep. They'll answer for them and their sheep. But as an under-shepherd, God has trusted me with a watch care, and I'll watch for your souls as one who has to give an account. And if I believe that there's the potential of a doctrine that would creep in here that, that could potentially lead and split and cause divisions and, and, and mobilize us into differing camps. Guys, I must stand watch over that. Unity is important. But unity without truth is no unity at all. And so to be united is important. And that is something as we get into the nine marks of a healthy church, we must be mindful that we begin with truth. It starts with truth. Notice, if you would, in 1 Corinthians 1, and we'll read through verses 10 through 13. Now, I plead with you, brethren. Paul's begging. He's saying, look, I'm begging you, brethren. By the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And that there be no divisions among you. But that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it's been declared to me, 
concerning you, my brother, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Dean, or I'm of Jeremy, or I'm of Nate, or I'm of Christ. I just throw that in there to make it personal. There's no schisms there, by the way. Um, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Is Christ divided? That's the question Paul's asking. Now again, I, I, I throw in our personal names because I want you to capture what it would have been like to get the letter from Paul. A group of congregation, what he's saying, there were, there were pockets of people within that church that were, that were starting to kind of click and follow. So it'd be as, as, as if all of a sudden, you know, all the senior saints just said, well, we're going to stick with Dean, we're going to follow Dean. And then all the young people were saying, yeah, well, we're going to follow Pastor Nate, and we're going to do what we're, 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 we're disciples of Pastor Nate. And then you leftovers said, well, I guess we'll just go hang out with Jeremy. And he's saying, that's not how it's supposed to be, guys. So look, Dean, Jeremy, Nate, they did, he didn't die for you. Christ died for us. That's our common bond. That's Brother Dean and Pastor Nate and myself. That's our common bond. It's, 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 it's Christ. And let me say, I love these brothers in Christ because they do understand this. That's why we've had the unity at Community Baptist Church that we've been able to have. Because I can tell you, Dean can tell you, Nate can tell you, there are many churches around that do not have unity and it ends up being schisms and it's oftentimes young versus old. And then the wars begin within the church. Well, I don't like that young stuff music. Why don't we guys sing these boring hymns all the time and... What's the organ? I don't even know. I thought an organ was in your body. And there's these schisms that are everywhere, right? Guys, Paul is pleading with the Corinthians because the Corinthians have been having issues. They've been having problems. And it's because they're kind of getting their eyes off of Christ and putting their eyes on men. And I can assure you, the pastors of this church can assure you, if you put your eyes on us, we're going to let you down. Put your eyes on Christ for unity's sake. Any chance I can get that back up there? Is Christ divided? Separated from the world, but united in Christ. Now that's what we're called to. There, there should be a division, guys. The division should come by us dividing from the world, separating from the world, and being united in Christ. That's what we're called to. How? How are we supposed to display this? How, how does this flesh out? How, how does this really work? That's our third point. Loving. As a church, we're called to be holy. We're called to be united. And we're called to be loving. Notice if you would... Um, in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Everybody turn over there for a second. It's up on the screen, but if you want to flip on over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 8. 
And you notice in verse 1, Now concerning things offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. But love edifies. And again, guys, here's the balance Scripture brings us to. When we love one another, love covers a multitude of sins, Scripture tells us. When we overlook the flaws of one another, when we're showing grace to one another, we are displaying unity in Christ. Because after all, isn't that what Christ did for us? Aren't we to love others as Christ also loved us? And so I don't know right now if you're struggling with someone, and I, I pray the Holy Spirit search all of our hearts, if there be anyone in your life, anyone in your past, anyone that you currently are struggling to forgive, surrender that to the cross of Calvary. Well, you don't know, preacher, what they did. You just don't know how they treated me. You don't know how bad this was. You're right, I don't. Nor do we know how bad it was for God incarnate to carry the weight of the world and the sin upon his shoulder on the cross of Calvary to shed his blood for the remission of our sins. For a holy God who disdains sin, who has a hatred, a pure hatred for sin, yet to embrace that for your sake, for my sake, to lovingly forgive his enemy. Many of these people there in the Corinthian church had come out of a lot of paganism, a lot of paganistic practices, which were, when you think about it, idolatry is self-centered. It's self-serving. And this is the enemy of love, self. We, by nature, are selfish people. Let's just acknowledge it. You would much rather have your wife rub your feet than rub her feet. I'm just saying. We are selfish by nature. Idolatry is the opposite. It puts something between where our affection should be. And God alone is deserving of that. In Corinthians, this theme is going to begin here <clears throat> to help take focus off of self, to die to self, and to shift that focus in loving others. And so as you go through Corinthians, you'll begin to see this unfold. And this is the answer for us, for those of us who battle with self. We put our eyes on Christ, and by loving Christ more, it enables us, it empowers us to love others more. So if I'm struggling with loving my neighbor as myself, then I need to put my eyes upon Christ. I need to ask for that love that dwells within him to dwell within me, that I might love my neighbor better. So 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, Let no one seek his own, 
but each one the other's, each one the other's well-being. Church, this is something we must do. Paul is instructing this church that was very carnal in nature. They were having some problems, and he's saying, look, you want to be healthy? I'm going to give you some answers. And so he's saying, don't seek after your own thing. We live in a day and time where everybody within the church is seeking after their own. Everybody's pursuing their own little kingdom building. Everybody's chasing their own little American dream. And we're all trying to kind of harbor up our own little castles over here. And we're neglecting the mission that God has called us to. The love for one another. Because when the world sees a church that is holy, set apart from the world, that when the world sees a church that is united, they're together, they're of the same mind in the mission that God has called them to in doing sports camps in the community and reaching their neighbors for the cause of Christ, sharing the gospel by giving water and gospel tracts out at the street corner. These are the types of things, guys, that demonstrate to the world love and action. And so let us not seek our own, but each one the other's well-being. There are people in this church right now hurting. And I can assure you, me, Pastor Dean, and Pastor Nate cannot carry that load by ourselves. And if we try, we're not only going to fail the people we're trying to minister to, we're going to fail our families, we're just going to fail. But God didn't call us to do that. He called us to do that. 1 Corinthians 12, as the, as the theme continues on, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Now he's starting to transition into the gift section. And we always want to go into this section and start debating the tongues and, you know, and the different spiritual gifts. But guys, we miss the point when we get off on that rabbit trail. And I'm the world's worst at getting off on that rabbit trail for many, many, many years. But here's the main point of this. Earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. He's trying to teach us something. He said, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Oh, I want you to desire the spiritual gifts, because it's this, but there's a reason for the spiritual gifts. There's a reason when God saved you, He didn't just save you to sit in a pew. And let me say this loud and clear. If you are a part of Community Baptist Church, and you are not involved in ministry, you are just sitting. You are not serving. And you are not doing what God has called you to do. We all have a responsibility in this church body. Every one of us. Now they differ. That doesn't mean you've got to be changing diapers. All right? Unless Jesus just calls you to that, then you let Miss Melissa Nethery know and she'll amen you. All right? But we do need some, some diaper changers. I'm just saying. Gas mask not required. Bring your own. <laughs> so, Paul goes on and he starts to talk about this. 1 Corinthians 14, he says, Pursue love. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Now, this is interesting because, again, this is just followed the great love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, we always, you know, Valentine's Day, I'm going to give this to my wife in a card. But guys, we miss the context. He's just finished that up and he says, pursue love. Okay, you want to know how to be holy? You want to know how to be united? 
You want to know how to? All right, we've got to pursue love. Put our eyes on Christ. He's our common bond. Put our eyes on Christ. But now as far as this whole spiritual gifts thing, because there's been some misunderstanding there in their church, there's some, there's some boastful things going on there that doesn't need to be happening, so he's going to address it. But he says, look, all right, you want to talk about spiritual gifts? Then if you want to, if you want to pursue a gift, let me pursue prophesying, pr- pr- prophecy. Now why prophecy? Why does Paul want them to pursue prophecy? It's because that's God's word. You see, in the Old Testament, prophecy was foretelling, foretelling. Well, in the New Testament, we're not foretellers, we're forthtellers. The word, the canon, has been written. It is done. It is revealed. And so our responsibility is to tell forth the word of God that's been revealed. And the word of God, you hold in your hands. And so our responsibility, what Paul is saying in this whole section, is if you want to do something that's loving... Share the word of God. What's the goal? Well, let's look in the text. Everybody go there, verse uh, chapter 14. Everybody turn there. We're going to break this down real quick and look at this. 1 Corinthians 14. <clears throat> and notice what he says in verses 3 and 5. And you're going to begin to hear this theme. And you may want to underline this. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. What's his point here? His point is, if you're going to be loving, guys, don't focus on self. Focus on others. That's his underlying point here. The goal is edification. Edification means to build each other up. This, I'm looking forward to this watch your mouth study. Hey, kids, watch your mouth. They hear that at the house. No, they don't hear that at the house. Well, anyway. In our week, this past week, one of the lessons in, in Ephesians we were looking at, and uh, see if the kids remember, what, what, what was the sign I showed you kids? All right, kids that went on to camp, what was the sign? It's the Batman symbol. looks like a W, right? What were the three W's? Walk in love was one of them, right? What was the other W? Watch your language. Watch your mouth. And what was the last W? Help her out. Last W. Walk in love. Watch your language. Worship the Lord. Remember, we had W's and L's. Come on, we're Baptists. Keep it straight. Looking forward to this. Watch your mouth. Guys, our tongue can be used to set a forest on fire or it can build up. And you talk about a need within the body of Christ. We need to build up one another. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good and necessary for edification, that it might impart grace to the hearer. That verse was a lifesaver for a former potty-mouthed sailor, right? I had a corrupt speech. And I remember 
pleading with God after reading James. <laughs> you know what? God hears those prayers. Our language, our speech, guys, especially, especially within the body of Christ, should never be used to tear down one another. We have to build each other up. And so we must do so. That's the goal here in this passage. Look, he, as if we missed it, look, verse 12, 17, 19, 26, 31. Notice what he goes on. He says the same thing here. Look, look in verse 12. He says, even so you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. He goes on, verse 17, and he says this, For you indeed give thanks well, but the other's not edified. What good is a spiritual gift? What good is it if you're an island? What, if, what, what good is it if within the body of Christ we're not united in, in this? We're not loving in this? And this is what Paul is saying. Verse 19, yet in the church, I would rather, this, this, is, this is the nail in the coffin right here, guys. Forget the whole, well, are tongues for today or tongues not for today? Forget that. Here's what he says. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Let me sum that up for you. I would much rather speak something that you can get that's going to help you in your walk than to have this secret prayer language that's just for me. That's self-centered. That's self-absorbed. So we're not even going to argue about whether tongues are for today or not for today, cessation, nonsense. I mean, we don't have to do that because that's not what Paul's point is. Paul's whole point, and if you've got loved ones and family and friends who, who, who always want to point out this and argue about this, we don't argue about this, right? We could, but we're, we're not necessarily... It's not, sometimes it's okay to enter into that arena. I don't, want to, I don't want you to misunderstand me. It's okay, but don't miss the point of the point. It's to edify. We're to build up. That's what needs to happen in the body of Christ. We need to build up each other. And the best way to do that is through God's Word. Teaching people God's Word. And so, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together? Each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Okay, so regardless of what your spiritual giftedness is, use it. Use it to serve one another, to build each other up. That's his point here. So why is the church supposed to be like that? The character of the church is supposed to reflect the character of God. You know, C.S. Lewis said, being in love is a good thing. Some, we've had some, you know, Couples marry recently. Y'all might want to listen to this, okay? Uh, <clears throat> being in love is a good thing. But it's not the best thing. Love is a deep unity maintained by the will and deliberately strengthened by habits reinforced by the grace which both partners ask and receive from God. On this love, the engine of marriage is run. Being in love was the explosion that started it. 
Let me say that part again. On this love, the engine of marriage is run. Being in love was the explosion that started it. Guys, it takes effort. Love is a commitment. And as followers of Christ, church, we must be committed to following Christ. We must be committed to what we signed up for when we enlisted in the Lord's army. The love of others should be our governance. I don't have time to look at it, but 1 Corinthians 10, 24, 12, 31, 13, 13, all these talk about it. Augustine said, In essentials, unity. In non-essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. It's all about love, 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 love. Some of you might remember that song. Put a little love in your heart. That's Snake's theme song there. He, went, he liked that one for the week. I like it. It's all right. I tried to get him to do the Dolly Parton and, and Chorus version since we were in Dollywood, but I don't think they like that version. But. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. So what are we to do with this? How are we going to conclude this? Church... We're called to be holy. God is different in His wisdom than the world. Let's, let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians one twenty-five real quick. We're, we're about done. We're going to wrap up early, I think. I think. I think so. So anyway, all right. 1 Corinthians, and let's look at this passage, one twenty-five. <clears throat> Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than man. Guys, when we do things God's way, it's different. But we need more people to be different in this world in which we live. We are called to be separated from the world unto Christ. We are to follow His wisdom not the wisdom of the world. And too many of us have been saturated with the wisdom of the world, and when we hear the wisdom of God, it's, it comes across, especially to us men, as weak, to, to many of you ladies, foolishness. doesn't make sense because we've not been grounded in God's truth, and therefore we must be. Christ has become our holiness, and we must remember that. God's not asking you to live up to perfection. Don't try to do in order to be. That's the mistake Christians make. I'm going to do better if I just try harder. No! You're never going to do in order to be. It's done. Christ is our holiness. We must be united, church. My responsibility as a pastor is to feed his sheep. And so as we go through this series, my goal is to unpack his word, to feed you the meat of his word, to feed you his truth as we find these principles in God's word in order for us to be a healthy, thriving body of Christ. My goal is to shape you into the great shepherd, not this shepherd.
Too many ministries out there are trying to make cookie-cutter Christians. They look just like their leader. And guys, and I know some of you are glad you don't look like me. <laughs> I'm glad you don't either. But anyways, my goal is to shape us into the great shepherd. And so imitate me as I imitate Christ. I, I, I want to live a life that's an example. I, I want to live a life that's transparent. I want to be an example to you so that as I go, you can go too. But don't look at me, look through me to the cross of Calvary. Look to the one who's within me, Christ within me. If you see anything good in me, to God be the glory because it's Christ in me. In and of myself, I'm a wretched man just like you. In desperate need of a redeemer. God is working through the many parts to show you his loving kindness. And that's why it's important, church member, did you not be a pew-sitter? This is why you must be involved in ministry. This is why you must be living out your faith where God has placed you, and He's placed you here, and He desires to use you here. We're to be loving, church. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Do you love Him? Do you love Him? Because if we love Him, guys, we need to take a look at our commitment vows. We need to revisit the cross of Calvary. We need to say again afresh anew to the Lord, search me and try me and, and consume all my darkness. Renew within me a new heart. Help this mind be in me which is in Christ Jesus. That I might love Him more and in return love you greater. God has loved us to the point of redeeming us. Let's not waste our days. Let us redeem the time, is what Scripture says. Because the day is evil. And these days will come to a close. These are the nine marks of a healthy church that we're going to be looking at. You've seen them in the beginning. And Lord willing, as we unpack these, I pray that it will encourage us as a body of believers to be strengthened, to be healthy in our walk. And so seek the Lord in that as we move forward. Let us pray. Father, um, thank you for your word that encourages us through this example of the Corinthians. And we see uh, just as they had issues we as people have issues because we're people. We all have differing struggles. We all have differing battles. We're all at a different place in our journey. But Lord, we recognize that your grace is sufficient. Help us at Community Baptist Church to be separated from the world. Holy. You said, be holy for I am holy. Lord, help us to understand the depths of what that means. Help us, Lord, to draw nearer to you because you promise you will draw nearer to us. Help us to fall uh, in love again. Help us to return to our first love. Lord, we, we can only love because you first loved us. We wouldn't even understand the concept. We've perverted the concept through... Uh, sensual, eros, and, 
and, and even uh, the phileo, the brotherly and the family love we've placed ahead of agape. Our love for the family should be, um, the spiritual family should be greater than even that of our own flesh and blood. Lord, help us to understand the depths of what that means. Help us to be united in, this, in, in one accord of the same mind. And help us to be loving. Help us to look out for the welfare of each other more so than even our own well-being. Renew us in that. Forgive us for failing in that. And teach us to follow after you as you lead us. We give you the praise in Jesus' name.